Welcome to The Workplace, where we're hot on the trail of what makes great workplace cultures tick and what we can all do to make the ones we work in better. I'm Andrew Scarcella. This episode, we're putting a bow on season two with a candid conversation between two employees about their own personal perspective of workplace culture. How has it changed and how should it change as we claw our way out of this global crisis? First employee is our very own executive producer and interviewer at large, Katie Clifford. The second, I'm afraid, is me. I know, I was hoping for Shaq, too. Katie and I are co-workers, so we share the same workplace culture. But our experience of it, what it's like to work in it day-to-day, is, not surprisingly, pretty different. How different? You'll have to listen to find out. Let's get to it. Hi, Katie. It's great to see you again. Hi, Andrew. The same. Really good to see your face-ish. I would say it's been a while, but I actually saw you yesterday because I was dropping off a brand spanking new microphone. You did, and I do sound awesome. And although you were in a mask, it was really good to see your actual face too. It's funny how there is a big difference between screen seeing each other and live seeing each other. Yeah, I hope I look better in person (laughs) than on screen. It doesn't do any favors. The wide-angle lenses don't make us look very good, do they? No, it is not our best look. Although many of us have gone to the trouble to figure out the best lighting in our houses and where we sit, that, that's a that's a legitimate thing that I was not expecting. But I, you know, you if you're going to see your own face all day every day, it's interesting how some. I mean, not everybody, but I do feel like many of us have figured out where to sit, how to sit what kind of lights go on and off just to make sure that we feel like we look our best. Well, I feel like your frame is very well composed right now. You have a beautiful Christmas tree in the background, not to out you as a fan of Christmas. (laughs) I do have a lovely Christmas tree. And because for some reason, my computer doesn't support backgrounds, I've sort of done some fun things over the last nine months, being jealous of everyone who can put backgrounds on. So, um, the Christmas tree has definitely been a nice addition. I should turn the lights on as well. But I have like an art collection behind me that always gets comments from people. So although I haven't been able to put a silly background on, <laughs> it's funny the things, and I guess we'll get more into this, but it's funny the cultural things that have happened because we're all on Zoom, like backgrounds or other things that we're all experiencing as an entire workplace. Whether we like it or not, yeah, this is a it's part funny. of our workplace culture now, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. We and now have like... to consider lighting and <laughs> totally. sound design <laughs> and set design as yeah. part of our daily experience. Now, I, I, ha- I have to say, um, our workplace culture has been remote for going on 10 months now, maybe nine, nine months, I guess, nine. Yeah. Uh, specifically. We are maybe the lucky ones. I would say. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, we were able to isolate. 
but yeah. it has put uh, a lot of weird pressures on our workplace culture. And I know we're not the only people who are dealing with this. And that's why I wanted to have you on, not to interview you, but just to talk uh, person to person, uh, employee to employee about what a workplace culture looks like now. Um, how it's changed in the last several months and what the heck is it going to look like next year or three years from now? It's, you know, it's hard to prognosticate, but totally. But yeah, I do think a lot of us have spent a lot of time wondering what, what this looks like. And my feelings have changed up and down and over and through in the last nine months of what I would like afterwards. So I think that's something we're all going through and I don't think anybody knows for sure, but it is really fun to talk about. So we both work at the same company, as people uh, may have guessed. We work in the same department, no less. Uh, <laughs> yep. But our experience of the culture we work in is, or might be, totally different. So let's put some heat under it and see what separates out. How about we both describe our workplace culture, our experience of our workplace culture in one word, uh, executive producers first. Oh, wow. <laughs> yes. Please, please. Um, with the title <laughs> comes a great burden. Please work in a hierarchy with our questions today. Um, gosh, one word, Andrew, that's really hard. I'll give you three. Give me three. Okay. So I would say our workplace culture in general is supportive friendly, and collaborative. Those are three things that I feel like I can confidently say apply to the experience I have on on my part of the team. It's interesting you say collaborative because, like I said, we are completely remote. Uh, Everyone we work with is working from home and has been for months now. Do you feel like it's gotten more collaborative? (sighs) That's a great question. I... (laughs) Is that something we always say on podcasts? That's a great question, but it is. A good oh, we always question. edit that out. <laughs> oh, good. Okay, got it. It's been harder to do the actual business of collaborating, but I think we've really been trying. And by that, I mean that we're all sitting in our own houses and we're far away from each other. But I do think a little bit more than ever, we've had to make an effort to collaborate. Mm. You have those sort of did someone call it? Just like the run-ins that happen at the office that allow you to collaborate without thinking about it. Right. And the now hallway we have to, meetings. Exactly. The hallway meetings, you, you know, call across the, uh, the partition or whatever. And we've had to be more deliberate about it since we moved home. So whether that's Teams channels or uh, just being more responsive on your emails or whatever, I do think in order to do our jobs, we have to we have to collaborate and we've had to figure out ways to do that when you don't have the, the luxury of just seeing each other. Yeah. I, I think the in-office culture that we've experienced over the last couple uh, years before the pandemic hit was, was still very collaborative, but I think maybe people relied on the fact that they would run into somebody or that they would have a meeting in a couple of days and maybe they put off talking to the people they need to talk to or collaborating with the people they need to collaborate with until 
they just naturally run into them rather than reaching out and setting up a meeting to talk about it. And I think that's uh, maybe a a small benefit of working remotely is it, it requires extra energy to collaborate, but it also gives you extra rewards for yeah. collaborating because otherwise you, you wouldn't run into anybody. You wouldn't <laughs> collaborate with anybody. You could easily yeah. just be isolated at home. And even the most introverted person can't deal with that for too long. No, totally. I, th- I think it's more intentional this way. And, um, and anything that's more intentional is more rewarding, I feel like. That's the word I was looking for. It requires an intentionality that perhaps you don't need to have in order to be effective when you're working together. Like I said, you will, you'll see that person. You'll run into them on the way to the cafeteria or walking around the building trying to get your steps in or whatever you're doing. We don't run into each other by accident very often, do we? Funny enough, I ran into our CEO at a Whole Foods a couple weeks ago. (laughs) And this is actually kind of a cute story. So I'm at Whole Foods on a Saturday and I see our CEO and his wife. Shout out to Dave Peterson. shout, Shout out to Dave Peterson. And I wouldn't normally bother a CEO at the grocery store, but I hadn't seen Dave. And we we worked down the hall from him. I hadn't Mm. seen him in like seven months. So I walked over and I'm in a mask, obviously. So is he and his wife. And I walk over and I'm like, excuse me, are you Dave Peterson? I have this crazy ability to recognize people in their masks. I've been doing it all year. (laughs) So he turns around and he's like, yes. And and I have a mask on. So he's just sort of looking at me like, and who are you? I was like, oh, I work at OC Tanner. I don't even say my name, which is weird. But anyway, I work at OC Tanner and I just want to thank you for how well you've taken care of us and got a little bit emotional. And he was like, tell me what department you work in. And I said who my boss was. And he's like, hello, Katie, I know you. (laughs) It just, I felt like such a fish out of water. I feel like we've all lost some of our ability to be social. Anyway, it was really nice to see him. And then the next day, I get this very nice email from Dave. It was just like, it was so great to see you. Thank you so much for coming up and saying hello. It was such a nice interaction. And so like lovely to see a person in person. And it just like was so nice to to get that sort of uh, I don't know recognition I don't know if that's the right word but oh, to have yeah. the CEO sort of reach out and just say hey that meant something to me that you said hello I <laughs> when else would that happen in our lives that that offline interaction would be so meaningful and I think it's cuz you know we're not seeing each other it was yeah. really nice. It was a really nice whole experience. I was... Uh, look at you art. giving a recognition <laughs> in the moment out yeah. in the world. Yeah. I guess I'm drinking the Kool-Aid of this great organization. <laughs> <laughs> I wish we could pick a better beverage for that. <laughs> we would say hot chocolate. You're drinking really the drinking Diet the- Coke. <laughs> yeah, really drinking the, the, <laughs> the Diet Coke with lime and coconut. Salt Lake oh. TM. And that's the word I choose to describe our workplace culture. Diet Coke. Diet Coke. No, no, no. But I, I will. I said I would. This is not an interview, and I will answer the question as well. Yeah, I don't please. Know if I choose three words, that might be not enough restrictions for me. So I'll go with one oh, word. Okay. And I would say it's a little vague, but 
open. It's a very oh. open workplace culture. Yeah. Like you said, you ran into your uh, your CEO out in the world and you know, it, you walked up to him because usually you would run into him in the hallways, mm-hmm. which I don't think is something you'd normally have at most workplace cultures. You, yeah. you don't have that openness and accessibility and you know, his his door is literally always open. Sure, he's not always there. But yeah. I have had hallway run-ins with our CEO and also with our you know head of HR and uh, lots yeah. of other executives just out and about working mm-hmm. and I have I've missed that because that's that's something that gosh very few places that I've worked have had that they've had very personable and friendly executives but you don't get that sort of openness and willingness to engage in non-work related activities. You know, they can be yeah. very effusive when they're talking to the company, but one-on-one they might avoid you or they might <laughs> be stuck in a boardroom all day and never yeah. be out and about so you could like really like see them or interact with them. So yeah, I would say it's a very open workplace culture and I think that's continued uh mm-hmm. during the pandemic, not to get too specific about our company's response, but there were a lot of uh, video chats and, and Zoom meetings with the executives talking straight yeah. to us and addressing things head on and being very open and honest. And that helped make up for uh, that lack of, you know, in-person interaction that we would normally have in the office. Yeah, I I feel like I have so many friends, and I'm sure you do too, who've been at organizations who maybe haven't been as open and transparent. And I feel like no one knew what was happening. No one could predict the future, but our company has trusted us that they could be honest about where things were. And that felt like I was, I was telling somebody that I even felt at one point, like if for some reason there were layoffs, I would feel like I was aware of the company's health and I would know that they were only doing it if they absolutely had to. And, it, and I would feel... <laughs> I wouldn't feel great about getting laid off, but I would feel fairly treated. And I just know there were a lot of people who dealt with layoffs or other things who did not feel that way about the organizations that either felt like the company took advantage of the pandemic to trim some folks, you know, and kind of blamed it on that, or they panicked right away and got rid of people. And I just did not see that with our organization. They were super honest. We knew they were going to put people in jobs first as much as they could. And that it just felt fair. I just, as an as a employee, I know you're not family. And I know that the company doesn't owe you a job necessarily. You, you know, we have an, uh, they pay you, you give them your work. But I want to be fairly treated and I want to feel like I'm being respected. And that is one thing our organization has done a great job of. Indeed. Yeah. This whole weirdo thing. <laughs> I was actually listening to, uh, gosh, it must've been uh, an NPR story or maybe even a podcast that had an ad from a company saying something to the effect of, you know, tired of companies telling you that they treat you like family, you know, <laughs> come to work for us. We don't, we, we actually believe it and back it up. And I was just like, you know, I don't know if I've ever gotten angry or mistrusted a company for telling us that we 
are like family because I think that the places that I worked for that have espoused those kinds of things have at the very least backed it up with an openness and a fairness yeah. that makes you feel like you were respected and treated okay, maybe not like a family member, <laughs> right. but at least like a colleague and a and you yeah. know an equal. Yeah, like an equal, like an equal. Exactly. I think that was one of the things that I noticed right away was we were trusted with information about the health of the organization that mm-hmm. that executives don't always give to everybody. And I saw lots of stuff on LinkedIn or from friends who didn't feel like their organizations were trusting them. And we're adults. We, <laughs> it's okay to say, hey, things might be bumpy and we may have to make some some cuts or some changes that we don't love. If you feel like someone has been honest with you about that, then if you're the cut or the trim or whatever, it doesn't come out of nowhere and you don't think, well, we were told everything was fine and then 25 people got laid off. That feels Mm -hmm. like a real bummer because why didn't you just tell us, hey, we're probably going to have to make some hard decisions. Even that much information helps people prepare and helps people feel, to your point, respected and treated fairly. I think something that we don't talk about and maybe we should have been talking about in previous episodes or with previous guests is that there are many workplace cultures <laughs> within an organization. There is the workplace culture that the HR department is trying to craft. And then there's the workplace culture in a department, the workplace culture in a team, uh, mm-hmm. the workplace culture between two people trying to work stuff out. And there may be similarities at each level, but they're always a little bit different. So yeah. let's let's go to our own personal workplace cultures here. What has what has changed for you going fully remote? Um, I, besides the setting, of course. Besides the setting, right? So I, I I've now had the experience of I managed a small team. I am managed, and now I'm not managing a team anymore because I kind of switched positions, but I felt like as a leader, so your question is great because I, it's so true that organizations have like 75 million different little cultures and it's even the ones with great workplace culture. Totally. There are different (laughs) pockets of it. And, and I've often heard, and and we, this bears out in our research that it has a lot to do with the leader, right? Mm. Whether the leader is carrying on what the company values espouse or whether that leader is kind of doing their own thing. Um, good or bad. And so when we went home, I felt like as a leader, it was really my responsibility. And I might even get a tiny bit emotional on this, but like to remind my team that I understood that they were humans going through a huge thing, right? And that our discussions always were, how are you doing? How are you, like, how are you? first of all, and then let's talk about work stuff. And I think that makes a big difference in a situation like this where people are now home with their spouses and with their kids and with, I mean, their situations are not a typical work from home situation by any means. And I just felt like it was really important that we be honest about that, that things were going on in our lives that were just different than any experience any of us have ever had. You so, felt the you felt the need or maybe just the 
duty to share more of yourself than you might have. Totally. To just be really, really honest about how this was affecting all of us and to not expect that everyone was going to just go home and business as usual. It just, there was, that wasn't a fair expectation. Um, And I think checking in with people and making sure that their situation was tenable and sustainable was super, super important. And, And I had colleagues who went through stuff this year that was really hard and you know, people's spouses got COVID. <laughs> Their people's kids were running around, and cats and dogs are showing up on the <laughs> on the screens. And I don't know. I think the lasting effect of this might be that. Come on, man, <laughs> you need to be professional at work, and you need to come ready to work. But also, we all have lives that matter to us way more than what we do in these eight hours. It, and- it's made our leaders be a lot more forgiving because they realized that they need some of that forgiveness <laughs> themselves. Hmm? Yes. Yes. One of my colleagues at the very beginning was like, we just have to extend everyone grace right now. And I have probably said that 47,000 times since to myself, to my colleagues, when I'm feeling like, oh, why is so-and-so you know, being so lame? And it's like, well, because so-and-so is living through a global pandemic. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I don't know what's going on in their life. So they might be frustrating me, but that's okay right now. So what have you sort of experienced in your little micro culture with your team since you went home? Well, I feel like it hasn't changed maybe as much for me as, as some other people. Mm-hmm. I I'm a writer most of the time. I'm not always a podcast host. So my job is maybe the most solitary of uh, our whole department. I mean, there's some uh, designers and stuff that also end up working a lot by themselves. That's not to say I don't collaborate. I do all the time. Uh, I'm always talking to people who need things written or need things edited or need ideas created. Mm -hmm. But a lot of my actual work time is by myself. So in a way, it's been really positive in terms of my output. I have way less distractions than I used to. (laughs) You know, I I worked in a, a, we have an open office plan and people can always come up and bother me. Not that they do that that much. That's not a a problem that I have, but it's a reality. Like I said, people might, they have a thought and they might walk over. And now I can schedule that and I have, he- I have much larger chunks of time where I can really focus. And I feel like I get my, my tasks done quicker. I feel That's like great. <laughs> a lot of times, and it might have something to do with the efficiency of remote work, right? Yeah, Where totally. it's a little bit more transactional. Sometimes you don't have uh, a lot of long meetings to sort of hem and haw over things. It's like, this is what we yeah. want. We kind of had to write it out and be, and be clear because we're sending these things, you know, over, uh, yeah. over email most often or, or some other sort of texting app. It's been mostly good. I, I think I've had, <laughs> I've had some issues uh, with the sort of more personal side of it. Um, you know, I'm I'm not an, uh, a big extrovert, but yeah. I have definitely felt isolated and disconnected from even mm-hmm. from my my immediate team members. Um, that's why it's really fun to do this because normally we would have lots of conversations uh, around the office, um, and since we only work together on 
while this podcast and a few <laughs> other projects, we haven't had that chance. Yeah. And even with some people on my immediate team, we, because we've, you know, had to divide and conquer and, and maybe pivot a little bit and change the way we work. I, there's some people I haven't had real conversations with for weeks or yeah. maybe months. even months. Um, I know that's, I should say those are like video chat conversations or like more freewheeling conversations. I've had lots of opportunities to chat with them about projects yeah. and, you know, do a lot of messaging uh, and, and emails and stuff like that. But it's, it's those more casual conversations that I miss. And I feel like it, it does leave me a little disconnected, even though I'm, you know, more efficient, more productive. I, it's weird. I don't, I don't, I wouldn't normally worry about the lack of personal connection because yeah, I don't really buy into the whole work as family thing. I think we should all, (laughs) you know, because, because I think family is dysfunctional. For the most yeah. part, I think most family relationships are not great, and we shouldn't be using that as the bar. <laughs> <laughs> that shouldn't be what we're saying. You know? Well, it's interesting. So, our, I, I don't know if you remember this, but our uh, HRVP sent out a, a note a couple months, weeks ago, months ago. Hard to tell. Time's <laughs> now. Um, and she just talked about those, um, those kind of drive bys and run ins that you have at the office with people that you genuinely like, but you don't work with. They're not in your department. And she suggested like scheduling a completely non-essential chat with someone that you miss talking to. And so I did it. I, um, I, I really like, we have a general counsel woman that I just, she's awesome. And, um, and I never see her. And she's on the executive council, so she's very busy. And I just <laughs> scheduled 15 minutes and I put in the, the subject line, like whatever, however Mindy phrased the, you know, completely non-essential. And we just spent 20 minutes just chatting and catching up. And, you know, especially where we're in isolation in other parts of our personal lives. It was so fun to just talk to her like we would in the hallway. I love that. Yeah, it was really fun. I was glad that our VP suggested that. I, um, and, and it's partially a function of the kinds of companies I've worked at have often worked at organizations where a lot of the people I worked with are also friends that I hung out with offline. Mm-hmm. And it's not so much the case at this company. Um, but that connection of friendship, which I think is is different than, like you said, family. <laughs> friendship is a little bit more chosen relationship. Absolutely. Um, that's something I've really missed is the the jokes and the you know, funny things that you tell each other and the way you're in each other's lives when you see each other all the time that mm-hmm. does not happen when you're just Zooming over and over during the day. You don't have inside jokes and you don't say, oh, tell me about your weekend. It just doesn't happen. And I, I worry a little bit about for, for people like me or, or who are a little bit more social creatures, I don't want my job to just be a place where I come in and do a set of tasks for eight hours. It's, that is, doesn't appeal to me. And to some people, it does. So my hope is that we figure out moving forward how we have a workplace that works for both kinds of people. The ones who want to come to work and spend 25 minutes catching up on the weekend and goofing around a little bit. And those who are like, came here to work, I want to get things done. And we, it's both are valid. There's not, <laughs> you know, there's not a preferable one. But there are those both of those kinds of people, and 
100% efficiency is actually not my goal. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I want to enjoy my work experience. I want to laugh. I want to, you know, have some jokes. And I think there's room for both of us. And I just think this could be a big experiment in how do we structure a workplace so that everybody gets what they need. Mm -hmm. Well, that's uh, one of the reasons... uh not just the fact that we uh, have a great rapport and uh, it's lovely talking with you, but we <laughs> have a pretty different experience of workplace culture because yeah. you are a little more extroverted and I'm a little yeah. more introverted, at least when yeah. it comes to how we act in the office. Yeah. So I, I love the idea of reaching out to people who you don't work with just for a, a little chat like that. I'm going to have to do that as well. I wonder if they'll feel a little weirded out <laughs> when I just <laughs> I schedule a random meeting. But I, you, you got to get like, over that I awkwardness, like a right? Case? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so that's what our workplace culture is like now. Mm-hmm. But we are in a strange space where everything feels like it could change. So what? what do we want? our workplace culture and just workplace culture in general to look like as we climb out of this pandemic Mm -hmm. and realize that a lot of the things that are our new normal are going to be the new normal for a very long time. You know, I think there's a level of anxiety about, you know, being close to people that may have to be addressed. And like we're talking about this new remote way of working which we've proven can work. We've proven we can be effective. There are downfalls. There are some social downfalls. Yeah. Right. Let's just let's talk about our own version of an ideal workplace culture in say, say two years. I feel like we 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 we've, we'll be through the worst of the pandemic. Let's hope. <laughs> yeah. And Not and we'll way. have we'll have all these new ways of working that we'll have to either accept or reject. So what is what is your ideal workplace culture look like in a couple of years? Would we be fully remote still? Would we be two days a week? Would we be uh, back in the office? Yeah. Full time? I feel like my overwhelming hope is that there's just a lot more flexibility to the way we work. And that there's understanding that people work better in different places. I when we all had to come home and everyone was like, I'm getting so much done. And I was like, I'm so lonely. <laughs> like, <laughs> There are different people who have different expectations of work and what they want to get out of it. And one thing that I have really appreciated about the time at home is that I can throw a load of laundry in or you know, I can get some sort of ancillary things done and still get my work done. And that is a really nice thing, right? It sort of allows you to have a little bit better balance in your personal and your professional life. Um, So I would love to have maybe two days a week where I work from home and can sort of manage a little bit of my household as well as work. There's such a like clear delineation that isn't always necessary. Like the whole in your chair from nine to five, Monday through Friday, just feels like, okay, that is a bygone era that we all decided that was how work had to happen. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> like, that has ended. That is over. We saw that does not have to happen. So flexibility would be great and true flexibility where someone can say, 
I'm going to my kid's soccer game. I am leaving at three. Bye. And that, and it's not a thing. Like they can just do that because we all understand that we were trusted for nine months to be, nobody sees us. And guess what? Work's getting done. The world is moving forward. We didn't have some giant drop in, I mean, aside from lots of jobs were lost, but you know what I mean? Like the, <laughs> the people who are working are still working and our bosses can't see that sometimes you take a nap in the middle of the day mm-hmm. because sometimes you do. I would love to see some of the stigma fall away as well uh, of those things because yes. I feel like, again, not to get too specific about our culture, uh, it's <laughs> mostly based on, on who the leader is, but there's been pretty good flexibility in terms of those life events. Yeah. However, I think that there is always a little bit of that stigma, not just from mm-hmm. people looking at you taking off a little early, but internally. And maybe that's the worst yeah. part is feeling kind of bad. Right. even early a little guilty yeah when it's like it's not impacting your productivity oh. it's benefiting you you know yeah. personally and probably professionally too just to be able to to not worry so much about how those life events impact your work life right totally 100% i i just feel like we had this awesome opportunity these last 10 months to see that Butts in seats is not a good way to to check and see how, like to measure what people are up to. It just isn't. Because you can have your butt in a seat and be online shopping for six hours at your office. <laughs> now, <laughs> you hold know? on. Just for everybody listening out there, that is not, an ad, uh, that's not her advocating for increased parental controls on computers no, to monitor people. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> Keep track of what all. we're watching. No. Again, it's about trust, right? It's about trust. <laughs> and I just, I think we did a giant experiment in trust. And for yeah. the most part, we passed. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I am sure you can find examples of people who have gamed the system. But for the most part, we all came home and we worked really hard and we still did our jobs. Um, and coming back to work is going to be, I will tell you when I, when I apply for a job another time, I, my first question will be, what does time at the office look like? Mm-hmm. And is there flexibility? And if an organization went through this last year and they still believe butts in seats, bye. I don't think they're going to hold on to great talent. I think people are going to say, we all saw that this can work. And how are you going to look me in the face with a straight face and say, no, I'm sorry. This is a nine to five in the office everyday job. Okay. (laughs) It's given us a little bit of leverage because like you said, we have, we've been tested and we've passed uh, as a, as a workforce. Um, I think, I think in in addition to the flexibility of when you work, I think where you work should be flexible too. This is something that I've really sought out in previous jobs and and my current job as well is that flexibility to, like you said, not just have your butt in the seat, but not not just for uh, life events that you need to leave, but for work events you need to leave. I think that working in other spaces besides your desk, even besides your office, is a real boost to your own personal creativity, uh, to innovation. 1,000%. I, I do think that a change of pace and scenery can really refresh you and, and renew you. So hopefully our ideal workplace culture dreams come true. 
Um, I think I think that some of them might. Mm -hmm. Uh, But before we go, I want to ask you a question that we're going to be asking every guest in season three. Oh, fun! At the beginning of every interview, just to sort of get an idea of their experience with Mm -hmm. work and workplace culture, because it's it's different for all of us, and a lot of it depends on how we got into work, (laughs) where we started, right? So what was your first job? Oh my gosh. So my first job skewed my my perspective for the whole rest of my career. Interesting. Good setup. I had this amazing opportunity when I graduated from college. We were having the Olympics, the Winter Olympics here in Salt Lake City, Utah. I've heard of it. And I got it. (laughs) You're aware of the Olympics. I got my first job at the organizing committee for the Olympics. Your first so job was with the My Olympics? first job, my first corporate get paid to do a job job was working for the Olympics. Your first big and, big girl job. Yeah, my first big girl job. And the thing is, it was so it was only going to last a year and a half, so I knew from the beginning that it was like a limited time frame. We had all these really great leaders who were seasoned and knew what they were doing. But the bulk of the like worker bees were 23 to 30. We were, and a lot of them came from outside of Utah. Mm-hmm. So I'm working in Utah, but working with a really diverse workforce. And we're planning the Olympics. And I worked in the sport department directly with like athletes in the field of play. So it set a very high bar for excitement for the being on the world stage. That's hard to beat, for, I gotta say. Yeah, for like cachet when you tell someone what you do. Um, but what I will say, you know, everything after that was maybe going to be just a little bit of a letdown. However, what I learned at that job was that a job can, you can feel a lot of passion for something and you can enjoy your job and it can still drive you crazy and be hard and the hours were long and things, you know, it wasn't always uh, a bowl of cherries, but it was, I felt like from there on out, I expected jobs to be satisfying. I expected jobs to have a purpose. I expected people to do their best and to try hard. Everyone there was there for a short term doing something that they cared about. And I've sought out jobs like that. And that's a possibility. You do not have to work somewhere where everyone's just punching a clock. And for me, even if most of the other things I did didn't have quite that same uh, sense of awesomeness, I have that from then on, I always got jobs that felt like they had sort of that, that a similar, um, I want to go here even when time, you know, even if every day is not a party, Mm -hmm. uh, this job matters to me. And I feel like I'm doing something that matters. Yeah. I think a lot of us have to flail about until we find a job uh, that has that purpose and and meaning and gives us that, that drive. Uh, Just out of curiosity, what was your very first job? You a babysitter? Were you uh, yeah, I was totally a did babysitter. you work at Wiener Schnitzel? Uh, no, I was a babysitter from like nine uh, years old, as most uh, girls in the 80s were. Well, child <laughs> as, labor laws are not what they used to be. As soon as you were not a baby, you were watching someone else's baby. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, let me turn the tables. What was your first 
job? Well, my first, first job was probably mowing lawns for my neighbors, right? Fair. <laughs> and then when I was old enough, I got a job at the local grocery store bagging groceries, wow. you know, very small, not even, yeah. a, not even a big chain. I think there was maybe two of them. Uh, uh, it was called, it was called Andy's. It was called Andy's Market. <laughs> I love it. That's Andy's. right. Not, no relation. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> your store. You did not uh, own the store. <laughs> nope. Nope. Didn't, didn't even know who Andy was. Never mm. had to beat the, uh, Never. Never the, the culture of that place uh, is hard to remember because there just wasn't one. It was very yeah. <laughs> transactional. My first big boy job was at an ad agency in Chicago. I, Whoa. I after schooling uh, after college, so I didn't jump right into a career. Yeah. But after that, I, I got a job at a, a basically a startup agency in Chicago wow. with a, a big wig creative director who had decided to break off and start his own place. And I was the only writer working there, along with my, uh, my partner, uh, my uh, art director. Um, and we were a little team together. And it was just us and this creative director and like one account manager. Wow. And just pitching accounts and doing crazy creative stuff and trying to make it work. And working in this tiny little loft space near the um, the Bulls Stadium, which I can't remember what it was named at the time. The U- United Center. The United Center. That's right. Is it still the United Center? Um, probably not. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was, was going to say, like, it was United Center, but what is it now? Uh, yeah, so West Side Chicago, not a great area, cheap rent, and yeah. but great work. I think we did some really good work there. All right. Well, speaking awesome. of great work, we've done some really great work today. Digging into what it's like being an employee in a workplace culture, I think that we should maybe do this again yeah, in season three. Uh, <laughs> not to surprise you, this is the final episode of season two. Yeah, it is. So we're really, you know, good job bringing in <laughs> the uh, the end of the season. It was um, a good season. We talked to a lot of really interesting people this year. Absolutely. And we have some really cool people lined up for season three, some of which are already in the can (laughs) and some of which are are coming up. It's going to be a little bit different as is every season on the workplace, but uh, I'm really excited to have you on again as executive producer, as interviewer. Together, we are going to do some cool stuff. Yeah, we really are. I I think we have, we learned a lot this year and we're going to take all of that and uh, have even cooler conversations next year. So thanks for everything, Andrew. You've been a delightful, can I say partner? Is that? Oh yeah. Partners. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) All right, Katie. It's presumptuous, but. (laughs) We'll see you next season. See you next season, Andrew. And so ends season two of The Workplace. It's been a weird year, but looking back, we've really managed to grow this little podcast into something I'm rather proud of. Hopefully, you enjoy listening to it as much as we enjoy making it. We'll be back in January for season three with more curious interviews, more diverse and eclectic guests, 
and more practical insights into what makes great cultures great and how we can shape the ones we work in to be open, accepting, and exceptional. Is that the new intro for season three? Might be, but you'll have to wait until the new year to find out. Until then, keep being a force for good wherever you work. This episode was written and read by yours truly, with additional writing, production, and sound design by Daniel Foster Smith. If you liked this episode, or even if you didn't, please rate, review, and of course, subscribe to The Workplace on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have a burning question about workplace culture, or a story about why your workplace culture is the best or worst, send it to theworkplace at octanner.com and maybe we'll feature it on an upcoming episode. The Workplace is sponsored by O.C. Tanner, the global leader in engaging workplace cultures. O.C. Tanner's Culture Cloud provides a single, modular suite of apps for influencing and improving employee experiences through recognition, career anniversaries, well-being, leadership, and more. If you want your organization to become a place where people can't wait to come to work in the morning, go to octanner.com.